The Game Schooler Podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, is a weekly audio show that educates new and experienced gamers about the joy of tabletop gaming. In this week's episode, we'll cover Las Vegas, our game of the week, discuss life after Uno and the School of Gaming, and wrap it up with our high five games from 2013. Welcome to the Game Schooler Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Gotecki, along with my co-host, the esteemed Dr. Michael McCabe. How's it going, What's Michael? What's going on, Doug? How are you? Oh, I'm good. Good, good. <laughs> I was in mid-drink. Mid, mid you drink your Mountain Dew. Would you like me to just jump right in with follow-up? Give my little monthly report on the good Dr. Di- Reiner, not Diner, Diner. but Reiner Canizia? Sure. So March is over. My designer of the month was, featured designer of the month was... Uh, the one and only, the good, true and living, Dr. Reiner Knizia. Um, One thing that we get a kick out of in our house that's become an inside joke, we have a lot of inside Reiner Knizia jokes, you know, uh, a German board game designer who's approaching 700 designs, but in an interview with the good Dr. Reiner Knizia, not here on the Game Schooler podcast, he no. has not accepted our invitations yet. Do you know how he got to mathematics? Did I ever tell you this, or did you listen to the interview? No, I haven't read his biography yet, Michael. Physics was just way too easy. Oh, <laughs> that's well exactly then. what he says. Like, this is a guy, but he designs great games. Um, played 57 games, uh, or 57 plays in the month of March, 31 different games, only so seven. If, if you had played fifty-seven different games, you'd just be scratching. <laughs> it's like three percent of his game releases. No, no, no. These aren't just Reiner games. Only oh. seven Reiner games with twenty-three plays. So it's not like I just played Reiner oh, okay. games. But those, those were the stats. No mercy. We played thirteen different times. If I track the number of games, it's probably like thirty-five games. But No Mercy is a little push your luck card game that I've talked about the last few weeks that just love and. Uh, that one will continue to come out at Board Game Club and at other places as well. It takes about five minutes to play. So five minutes to play. It's easy to see why those numbers get racked One up. One minute to teach. Um, and then I had a pleasant surprise. The last Reiner Knizia game that I played of the month was Siege of Rundar. And this is a deck-building cooperative game where you are trying to keep the orcs and goblins out of the tunnel. So you're trying to dig gold and get it out. It is and you can play it solo. So I played a, a deck-building cooperative game all by myself. And you mastered it. <laughs> no, it's difficult. Michael I was, was still alpha gaming. <laughs> I was on, I had to. And I was on super easy mode and just getting destroyed. I'm like, okay, I'm going to reset and do this again. I'm going to reset and do this again. I need to bring in some friends and play this game. I really liked it. Somebody it's, that uh, physics is too easy for, probably. Way too easy. Just so easy. <laughs> but uh, it, it was a good month of Reiner. And a lot of games that did not get played. And so a lot of Reiner games. Future months. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I'm going to follow that up with some uh, unfortunate news. Oh, no. Um, Klaus Teuber has passed away. Klaus Teuber is a designer of Catan. Um, and I thought it would be an interesting idea just to take a little bit of time. I know that uh, Catan was my gateway into the hobby. Me too. You know, so the idea, and you think of, 
a lot of times in the industry, Catan kind of gets that, uh, like it's Monopoly or something. Yeah. But the amount of impact that that game had on the tabletop hobby since 1995 is is insane. Because you and I are not alone as that being the gateway game into this other universe of, of tabletop games. Yeah, we've talked about Catan a few other times. It was our recommended game of the week back in episode 14. Uh, one of the family holidays that came out at my, with my in-laws and three hours later, you know, we're, we're putting it away. It was just a blast. So I know I talked about it on that show and it's just, we, you and I were just talking about it last week about a game that I, yeah, I really we, like because it's, it's a long game, but it's still a race to 10. It's yeah. the first one to 10. So you can kind of peek around the table and see, oh, Doug's at seven. And if you're the first one to seven, everyone's going to jump on and pile on you. So then alliances are formed, but then what? somebody else gets to nine. Oh, how are we going to stop? Yeah, we had, we had played a game that was a, a longer game and had a lot of, um, com- I shouldn't say complex, but fiddly rules that were kind of hard to remember and keep track of. And so we were having a discussion afterwards about, you know, game length and things like that. And and Catan got brought up as a game that, yeah, it may take two hours to play, but the rules are simple and it's engaging the whole time. And I think that was one of the things that the game that we had played, we had started and about three rounds in of an eight round game, it was like, this game is not changing Right over the next five rounds, and I and some of us felt kind of trapped l- in the let's game. Let's not get to that game. You wanted to pay homage to Klaus yep. Teuber. Yeah, yep. So that's where it came up. But as a good example of a game that sometimes takes longer, but the rules are approachable for a family weight game. Yeah, right? and yeah. I think yeah. that's a, a great kind of stepping stone that you can have. You can show people that you can have a longer gameplay experience, and kind of open up the mind that that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be overly complex. And I think sometimes when you, if you tell somebody, I just got done playing a two-hour game, and they're like, how is that even possible? Yeah, I think Catan is a great example of that where, here, let me teach you the rules. It's simple, and we may be playing for two hours, but you're going to enjoy it. And then at the end, you're going to be like, I can't believe that was two hours uh, type of thing. So uh, a lot of appreciation for Klaus Teuber and the, and the whole Catan franchise. It sounded like he was... He had been working on some new expansions and things in the works that are going to be coming out later in this year. So wanted to do uh, talk about that. Uh, moving on to something that's awesome in gaming is this past week, uh, we had some bad weather in Wisconsin, some tornado warnings and things like that. And my family was able, we were in the basement. You went outside and played through the weather and yeah, made yeah, your we kids were, play yeah, games? Yeah, we wanted to show how... You know, how persistent we That's are. That's the waterproof version of Spotted. <laughs> Finish the game, Molly. Um, but we were in the basement playing a game, and it reminded me how good gaming is as a distraction. Because <laughs> I have because I had kids that yeah. were worried about yeah. the storm that was coming and you you know that there's tornado warnings and sirens are going off and things like that. And it reminded me of being in Disney when Hurricane Ian was coming through and we were playing games to not, I shouldn't, and a distraction in the regards of take your mind off of something else that's going on, whether that's an impending natural disaster or something going on in your life. I know you've talked about in the past, the idea of, you know, decompressing after work and just like leaving that and kind of 
setting that side off to the side. And I think it's a, an awesome part of gaming that we don't really talk about is, um, you know, you think about even kids in school and kids having a bad day or you don't know what their home life is like and what they're dealing with at home that you can play a game with them and take their mind off of it yeah. for a little little while. Well, we've talked about the concept of the magic sink, the magic circle. Hyzinga, I, I, I think, is the scholar who put that out there. But basically, when you come to the table, there is a magic circle around the table, and you can sit down and get fully immersed in the world of what you're playing. Um, I, 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 and I'm not trying to be flipping about bad weather. Tornadoes are scary. I've lived through a few. They, they, they're serious business here in the Midwestern United States. But I can't help but get this visual of the tornado sirens going off, everybody in the house getting freaked out, and here's Doug lighting up and grabbing his quiver full of games. <laughs> Come on, kids. We'll go to our, our safe room in the basement, and first it's Marvel Remix, then Point Salad. I can just see no, it was a, It was a situation Sorry. we were already in the basement <laughs> yeah. playing games. And then you don't have to justify it to me. The, I'm just, I'm just then, giving you a little bit of a hard and time. And the hoopla. So it was, it was nice because I've got younger kids. And no, that is good. Um, better than just having they were not, eyes they glued were not, on devices and they were not worried about yeah. what was going on because of um, being distracted by a game. So that's awesome. That is awesome. What's awesome for you? Well, I I've been learning. So you talked about you know in my past professional life, I used to be a building principal, middle school principal, and that job was stressful. And and I now I, I also coach high school basketball. So I'm coming off of the high school basketball season, and suddenly I have 15 to 20 hours of free time a week, not from practice, but just from film. I mean, I don't have to get up early in the morning. I don't have to stay up late at night. I don't have to squeeze every minute out of every day watching film, getting ready for the next opponent, getting ready for the opponent after. Um, and this happened at the end of last season as well. My brain craves rule books right now. So <laughs> I have a stack of games that I've just been learning, and I'm not playing all of them, but really diving in and trying to get a sense of the rules, watching a few videos, seeing if it will fit with my family, seeing if it will fit at Board Game Club, seeing if it will fit here with our game group or potentially even at a, at our convention at Gamehole Con next fall. So just... I never thought I'd be here, but just, oh, yeah, it's that time. And and I've gotten to play a handful of the games and some of the other games. It's, well, that's not a great fit. It'd be interesting um, to see the um, – because I've gone through phases like that. Or, yeah. you know, a lot of times in order to – in the past to save on free shipping or something like that, I you know, you have download to – Download the rule book. Well, and, you'd have to do like $100. Yeah. And so maybe you're getting three or four games at a time. Yeah. They all come in at once. And you kind of read the rules all in a, in a, in a grouping. And I'm curious because um, there's, there is something about reading rule books to me that I can tell a lot about a game whether those rule books are sticky yeah. and if I remember them after I read them. And that and it's a huge thing where there's a lot of games that I have read the rules for and almost immediately after reading them, like they're I, gone. I've, they're gone. Yeah. And then yeah. I, I have to like read it again and then it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I got it. And five minutes later, it's gone. And it's almost, it's become a, th a shorthand for me that it's like, if that is the way the rule book is landing on me, it has a really good chance of a either not hitting the table 
because it just seems like too much work to get it going. Yep. Or it's not going to be a good experience when it does get to the table. Well, and for me, I don't know about the second, the latter, but if it's 100% true that if I can't remember the rules, then that's going to be a barrier for me to get it set up and actually get it played. Yeah. And so I, I've had that. So I'm trying to ride that wave of of rulebook enthusiasm for a couple more weeks because I can start to feel it wane, right? Yeah. I got Dwellings of Eldervale played. I've got Siege of Rundar played. I've, I've, I've went through Gutenberg and Carnegie. So a handful of games that are on my shelf of shame or shelf of opportunity now that they've gotten played. Um, so I'm going to try to ride that wave for a couple more weeks. And and it's been fun because I'm not pushing games onto the kids. Like, hey, we need yeah. to play this so we can review it for the for the Game Schooler podcast. We're going to be yeah. talking about an upcoming episode. It's more of a, oh, have you, this is what dad's doing. But and, have you found some that you've read in that big bundle where it's like gone? Oh, oh yeah, where it's gone. And it doesn't make it any further. I've had games that have then been traded <laughs> where it's like, oh, no. I mean, yeah. that's a, a 3.25 or that's a, a 3.81. And I don't have anyone who wants to play it, and I don't want to throw the game out here, but I had one where I was right in the middle of playing it, and I just bundled it up, <laughs> and I took it to Noble Knight, and they gladly took it off my hands. <laughs> I probably I thought I should have gotten a little bit more, but I was I cleared it out because it's like, nobody's going to want to play this with me. There's too much bookkeeping. Yeah. I don't want to do pivot tables within the game. And so that, but at the same time, I think that is an awesome part of the hobby as well. You can yeah. take it as far as you want. You know, we yeah. talked about playing a no mercy game at the top of this segment. That's five minutes, and, and Llama is another one. My kids' friends love Llama. Yeah. I have parents who are coming up to me talking about where do I get Llama. I was like, uh, I saw one for nine dollars at Noble Knight. Did you want me to pick one up for you? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, no, I can't wait that long. I need to go get. So. Yeah, and I know we've talked about it in the past, but different different ways. Uh, activities surrounding the hobby yep. that are not just playing the game. And it's cool that you can go online, watch a video to learn about a game, or in most cases, go online and download the rule book and know exactly how it's going to play before you even spend any money. Well, um, I want to give a shout out to a content creator because he's in the Dice Tower Network, but that's Mike Delisio. I mean, this dude, not only does he do a ton of great videos, he plays them solo, so I can watch his 15-minute video and get a sense of, yeah, that's something I want to invest the next three to 10 hours in the next week yeah. to try to learn and play. Or, you know, I'm going to pass on that. Thanks for putting in that hard work, Mike. I'm going to yeah. move on down the line <laughs> yeah. to the next game. So, yeah. yeah, that's the long and the short of it. And then just another reminder, I know we threw a lot in that segment to our returning listeners. Um, but new listeners, if you're here, Noble Knight is a game store down the road from us, and they have a 10% off code through June and that code is schooler S C H O O L E R twenty three schooler S C H O O L E R twenty three at checkout and you'll get ten percent off. Yep, and that's noblenight.com if you're not in our, our yeah, area. Yeah, so thank you, and that's a uh, I don't know if they do worldwide, but certainly in the United States. They do a lot. Um, so if you go put in that code and check out and they're a great store because they have um, new and used games. So if there's something that you know, you is is out of print or um, churns through quite a bit. A lot, you know, if yeah. you want to get Ticket to Ride and try it out and not get a, a brand new game, uh, it's a great place to go. So noblenight.com. Um, if you like what we're doing, make sure you spread the word about the podcast. We really appreciate it. It helps us a lot. And if you have questions or comments, make sure to reach out to us at email at gameschooler.com. 
Again, that's email at gameschooler.com. Now that we've gone a little long there, let's move on to the game of the week. The game of the week. The game of the week is an in-depth look at a family-friendly game we think you should try if you get the chance. This week's game is fantastic, and it is Las Vegas. Spoilers. Doug, (laughs) give us the stats. All right. Las Vegas is published by Ravensburger in 2012. The designer is Rudiger Dorn. Rudy. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure he appreciates that. Uh, The art is by Harold Leiske, Marcus Schmuck, and Mia Steingraber. Two to five players, 30 minutes. 20 minutes. Is that's what you think? I believe it's done in 20 minutes, but okay. go ahead. Uh, Board Game Geek has it as 30. I almost called you out on it last week. You, you should put have. It, I was put ready. It on your- <laughs> I was so ready. I played it recently. Go ahead. All right. Eight plus is what they say. Uh, did I copy that correctly? Yeah, eight yeah. plus. Uh, the Board Game Geek users say uh, 10 plus, which is probably, uh, might split the difference on that one, actually. You think eight is? You go. You keep going. I'm gonna. Well, I want to adjust address that age issue. Do you think eight is? I mean, I've played with seven year olds, but they don't quite understand it. I'm looking at the 2012 version right now in front of me, and it says eight plus eight plus. So that's what I was questioning. Oh, okay. Do you have Royale up on your sheet? May I don't know. Okay, uh, so we'll there's a few into, different versions we'll we're going to dive that, into. That Carry later. on, Douglas. But I think I think at eight. Uh, they it can be played, but they they may not get the some of the new strategy, the theory, yeah. the 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 mechanics. No, uh, one point one eight out of five on the complexity scale, and this was a two thousand and twelve Spiel des Jahres nominee, which is the German Game of the Year, which is the most uh, prestigious award in board gaming. So the fact that that was nominated is a um, a feather in its cap. So. Las Vegas includes six cardboard casino mats, one for each side of a six-sided die. For each mat, players draw money cards until at least $50,000 is showing, but the amount may end up being a lot more because you're laying out cards that have different value amounts. So you keep laying out cards until you have uh, at least 50000 but there are $90,000 and $80,000 cards in there that could make a casino more desirable. Each player has eight dice of one of the colors in the game, uh, which they will take turns rolling. When you roll your dice, you can choose to place them on a casino card or mat uh, that matches the number that you rolled. So, for example, a die showing a one will be placed on casino mat marked one. The tricky part is that you must place all of the dice that you rolled with that number on it. So if you rolled three ones and you decide to place on the one casino, you would have to put all three of them out there. You must. Yeah, you can't. May you can't just cherry pick one. Choose must. Uh, And then so you keep taking turns until all of the dice have been used. And finally, the player uh, once everybody has rolled all their dice. The player with the most dice on each casino card takes the money associated with it. Uh, One of the tricky parts of the game is that if there is a tie, so if Michael and I have three ones on the one casino and uh, Emily has two, Michael and I are going to cancel each other out. Yeah, and Emily is actually going to get that an unfriendly tie, as we call it in the house, uh, which makes for some very interesting um, and. 
cheer-worthy moments at the end of each round yeah. as that, that settles in. So that is how you play the game. Uh, it's a 1.18, so those super easy. <laughs> those are the rules. There's not much more to go over or in-depth. There's no special player powers. There's nothing um, else going on there as far as the, the, the mechanisms of the game. Yeah, three or four rounds. It's over four rounds. Three. Three rounds. Yeah. And I think in between each round, you're, you're putting money out at the casino. And once you hit $50,000, you then stop putting money out at that casino. And there's there's some excitement there as a 10,000 and a 20,000 comes out. And then all of a sudden, you flip an 80,000. So now one casino will have three different possible. Um, winnings on it because you just when when you win the casino you get your choice at which one you're going to take. Yeah, now, obviously you're going to take the highest valued. Um, but if there is note, a second place, they can take they the can next take dollar the next amount. one down. And so that excitement in between rounds, th- there's just not a lot of downtime in this no. game. It moves so quickly and it's a fun tension. And for people who don't play a ton of board games, this is when you can get to the table. Doug just did the entire rules teach. Right there, and this is one that uh, my brother. I know I have a lot of brother-in-laws, folks. So if you're keep, if you're keeping score at home, good luck. But uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law were down, and they don't play a ton of games, but they played Las Vegas. They went out and bought it. That yeah. that like right there, he he bought it before he had left our house, and it, it was getting <laughs> shipped to him. Um, and that's the type of fun game that that it is. Yeah, so it's very easy to teach and learn. Uh, one of the things that I really like about I'm going to kind of jump into a skill, but it's it's a thing that I really like is the decision making in this game, and the idea of deciding to essentially kind of spam one casino and make yeah. sure that you get it, or kind of spread your dice. So on the first roll, I might roll six ones or six twos. That's bad. And I'm and and so there is a thought <laughs> of like, well, that's the ninety thousand dollar casino. Maybe I'll just go in all in and nobody else is going to try and fight you on that. You're kind of going to be guaranteed. Or do you start to kind of nibble at a couple and hope maybe you can get a tie or things like that and maybe have more flexibility? The bad part about that strategy is that once you get down to those final dice rolls, you have no control. You have no control. (laughs) So it's like you have control early, but no control late, which leads to the other part of, of the game that I love, which is... The unintended consequences. Oh, absolutely. There's where, externalities all over the place. Where here. it's like, all right, I'm perfectly set up to get second place as long as I don't roll a three. I rolled a three, and now I just canceled myself and the other person that was ahead of me out. Yeah. And somebody else is getting that casino. Um, because so, ties cancel. Again, yeah. Ties so, are bad. So things can blow up towards the end of each round. And yeah. there's that kind of back and forth with Michael, don't you dare put another four on there. Um, I'm, I'm winning that. Do not right. do that. And, and everybody's kind of telling everybody else their own input on what casino they should try and go to. And there is that element of, yeah, I'm going to put four dice in one spot right out of the gate. And there is a, a kind of a subconscious thing of like, I'm not going to spend that many dice to go after that. And, and people sometimes stay away from it. Um, which but, is but an interesting. But sometimes you also can't help it. No, right? you have because four if, dice left and if, you roll if, all of them. Or that. even if you just have two dice left and you're the last one rolling. And and I've done this strategy where I'm I'm hoarding my dice, right? Yeah. I'm only going to spend one at a time. I want to be the last one with dice because I want that control. And then 
I rolled those last two, and I'm left with two bad options. Yeah. Yeah. What else do you like? Well, I, I, I just – I love the base game. So I want to talk a little bit about Royale because well, – there's- yeah, there's actually three different t- versions of this the, game. I, I get that, but I want to talk about the base game and then talk about the most readily available game that people can get on Amazon or at their friendly local game yeah. store for around $50 today. And if you want to talk about the third one, that's fine, but I don't know much about it at all. Well, I just but- going to say that there's the original Las Vegas that came out, and then there was Las Vegas the Dice Game. That was a Target exclusive. Yeah. And then Good there is, finding that. is Las Vegas Royale. Um which uh, is available, but even all three, like I can see you finding Las Vegas dice game at a Goodwill because it was available in Target. It's If you buy it on the secondary market, it's going to be expensive. Um, But I think this game is is harder to get available, but I think it's one of those that you will find in a whole bunch of local local game stores where it's like, it's just sitting on the shelf and they've had it for five years. Um, and auctions and things like that too. I so mean, I think it is available um, in different areas, so you don't necessarily have to go and pay some of the high prices that you may find on on the secondary market. Now, Royale adds so some extra components. Yeah. So to date, we've been talking about the original base game from 2012, where you've got those six casinos and you're just spreading dice and collecting money. Royale adds a little bit of complexity, a little bit of nuance because some of the casinos have abilities. Would that be a, a safe way to, to yeah, classify so, what, what happens so when you... Yeah, it's interesting because you can play... You could, If you happen to find Las Vegas Royale, you can still play base Las Vegas. Yeah. There's nothing preventing you from doing that with the components that are in the game. But uh, Las Vegas Royale has... Casino powers on the one, two, That's and three casinos casino powers. Um, that are mixing up the game that may allow you to move a dice later on and around. And there's uh, little kind of mini games going on where there's... You can do side bets. Yeah, there's side bets. There's Which is um, fun. Who like, doesn't love a good side bet? Uh, push your luck. You know, there's like kind of craps type things where it's like, all right, well, if you roll... Uh, I think one is kind of a... Um, uh, uh, counting up rolling numbers. So yeah. if, if you if roll a two, yeah. you have to then say, okay, I'm going to go higher or lower on my next one. I'm going to go higher. And then you roll a, a, a 10, All right, higher or lower. And if and you keep going as long as you're right. And if you're wrong, you completely bust. So you can kind of walk away. So there's a whole bunch of these little mini games and powers and, and things that kind of change up the basic rules of the game. Yeah. And your thoughts on that are? I haven't played as much. I, I, like I said, I'm familiar with. I love the base game. I had fun playing Las Vegas Royal. I think I just played it the once at at um at a convention with you yeah. and a whole bunch of people because it plays to a large number. We had how we many had people? Six, five or six, six people, and it played fast. Yeah. So even at the full player count, it was fun. I liked the casino abilities. Um, I. I Las Vegas, I was putting it away the other day, and I noticed the box is dented. And I noticed that right away because that told me. Uh, folks, I my board game collection, I keep, try to keep the boxes nice. Now, I'm not going <laughs> to quibble or scream or lose my temper, but what I noticed, I kind of chuckled because it told me one of two things happened, and maybe both of them. My wife took it to school, or the second, my oldest child took it to a sleepover. I'm like, 
that that's a great sign. Yeah, if this game used. is walking out of our house to the point where somebody threw it in a backpack or else it got sat on inadvertently in the backseat of our car, that's a really good sign. So in terms of games in my collection that are getting a ton of use in a ton of different settings, uh, it's something that people can do while also having a conversation, right? Yeah. It's a game that you can be social with. I just have one caveat that people should know, though, the 2012 version I have has a very beautiful burlesque dancer on the <laughs> side of it, which I didn't realize until I put it in the game bag to take to Board Game Club. And I was like, I don't want to bring this out at a middle school. So that is truly my only caveat yeah. is the 2012 art looks like 1970 Las Vegas. And it's just it's on the cover. Yeah, it's right. on the side panel. Yeah. The cover's oh, okay. fine, which yeah. is why I've never noticed it. it's on the the spine of gotcha. it. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, as far as me for Las Vegas Royale, I bought Las Vegas Royale after I played it and sold my copy to Michael. Yeah, my original copy of Las Vegas because I felt like I can still play the base Las Vegas. It comes with a little dice tray that you can roll in uh, at the center of the the board there, um, and I really do enjoy those extra casino abilities. I think it livens up the game. I think it's a great game as a base game, but to be able to, I can see how I could teach that base game uh, to people and they will enjoy it. I can also see like my brothers really getting into the gambling aspect that comes yeah. with some of those casino things. It's and, the next step up. Yeah. And, and because that is the most common version available now, um, I don't think that you're going you to be go disappointed. Wrong. Yeah, no. um, I love in this game. There is always lots of laughter and and joking going on in this game. I've never played a game of this, especially at people's expense, right? In a great yeah, way. In yes, a great yes. way. Yeah, like, it's a good oh, thing. It's a good thing of of gr a great example of good competition for young players because the competition is fun. And it is low stakes. Yeah. You know, because there is that element of randomness. You don't really feel too beat up about it. But the kind of jabbing back and forth um, and, and laughing when somebody completely busts. And I don't mean a, to go on too big of a side tangent. But, Doug, do you have anyone in your life that is allergic to dice? Like dice in their hands just fly everywhere? Well, I mean, we, my, we actually my went kids out and throw got dice, dice around like they're drunk. We but. have a grown man friend that cannot hold dice, and he has giant hands, but he cannot hold dice in his hands. And when we played Las Vegas, the dice were flying all over the house. And so just the aspect of clumsy people um, with, um, I don't even know what to call hands that cannot contain dice. I but it, the dice chucking aspect of it is also fun. Well, my you know? my kids. Uh, so I have a game mat on my game table, so it doesn't make noise when you're rolling dice. I mean, my one daughter throws dice like she's Nolan Ryan, <laughs> right at the game mat. You know, it's like ninety awesome. mile an hour dice rolls. Like, can we keep it in this contained area? So that's another reason why the dice tray works well in my yeah, house. Dice trays are good. Um, this is so the availability is one of my concerns. The only other concern that I have is the idea of, um, and I haven't really run into this, but I could see it being something that, that for some people, which is you can't take this game too seriously. Oh, no. Uh, so Why would you? Hardcore gamers may be like, oh, well, I don't have enough control, that type of thing. Yeah. I, it hasn't really come up. And I think, I think this is one of those games that has translated well to that group of gamers 
because they do see it as a palate cleanser and a, a filler game, which is a game between uh, a filler game would be a game that you're playing between two more complex games, something to kind of let your brain rest for a little bit. Yeah. And well, tell it, that hardcore gamer to go put away the game we just got done playing or set up the next game. But the theme on this but, is so tight. I, yeah. But is it, but isn't it amazing the number of games that you and I play that would fall into the same type of category as a, a filler game that you and I are not taking very seriously? Yeah. That kind of get poo-pooed on by the, the oh, gaming by community, gaming community as, um, well, there's no choice or or whatever, those kind of things where it's like, well, you, why are you expecting this game to be uh, something that it's not? And I, I find yeah. it interesting that this game has translated well to that, that, that hardcore gamers do think of this as a filler and enjoy it for its lightheartedness. And there are so many other games that are in the exact same category that they don't feel that way about. Yeah, I would say three reasons why this game is highly regarded design pedigree right rudiger dorn is an incredible designer recognition it was nominated for game, german game of the year yeah not the game schooler podcast game of the year 10 years before the thing existed but <laughs> but right and then the the theme i mean you feel like have you ever been to las vegas no, me neither. But I feel like I'm there gambling, baby. <laughs> Chuck those dice, plays them in a casino. I want the seventy thousand dollars. From my understanding, we'd need to fill up this basement with cigarette smoke <laughs> to make it work. Make my- it be like Perkins in 1998, <laughs> huh? Holy cow! I just came in for some muffins. My apologies for any of our listeners that live in Las Vegas, but uh, that's my impression of what I've heard from people that have gone there. Oh, I can't wait to get to that city. Um, all right, best fit. I think it fits everywhere. Is there? Is there? I mean, you're not going to pull this out of the library. It's a little bit too raucous for that. But any other scenario? Yeah, right. Not the library, but everywhere else. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? No. Great game. All right. Well, that is our game of the week. Try it if you get the chance. Uh, that is Las Vegas, published in 2012, designed by Rudiger Dorn. Rudy from Ravensburger. Now let's move on to the School of Gaming. The School of Gaming. In the School of Gaming, we discuss concepts, keywords, etiquette, and helpful ideas in the world of gaming. This week, we'll be discussing Life After Uno. All right. So before we get into this, I I thought I'd do a little bit of stats of of where Uno came from and what it is. Uh, It was published in 1971 originally. The designer is Merle Robbins, and the publisher has been Mattel for all of those years. Um, it plays two to ten players, about a half hour, uh, ages six plus, and uh, the complexity is a 1.11 out of five, and it was a 1985 uh, Spiel des Jahres nominee. No, I'm kidding. It was not. <laughs> You can't say stuff like that, man. (laughs) Like We're going to get some cease and desist stuff. (laughs) All right. So players race to empty their hands and catch opposing players with cards left in theirs, which score points. In turns, players attempt to play a card uh, into the center discard pile by matching its color, number, or word to the topmost card. If unable to play, players draw a card from the draw pile, and if still unable to play, they pass their turn. Uh, wild and special cards spice things up. 
uh, a bit as you play. Uh, Uno is actually a commercial version of Crazy Eights, which I didn't actually realize. I've never played Crazy Eights, which is a, a public domain card game played by a, uh, with a standard deck of playing cards. So that is Uno. Um, it has been on store shelves since 1971, and if you go into your local Walmart, Target, or any store, there is a good chance that they have a copy of Uno in there. Grandma's Closet. Yeah. So uh, here's the thing. I think this game still holds up. Yeah. I still my kids still play this. We have a good time. Yeah, we do too. And and it's not one of those normally when we're talking about um some of those older games that it's just like, yeah, this is like Candyland, for example. It's that like, game's awful. This has outworn its welcome. Game mechanisms are so Shoots far, and ladders, another far, one. far game's past terrible. this. This one still works in my house. So um and and obviously it still works in a lot of people's house because it's still being sold, but uh, what do you think people like about this? Well, I didn't know we were going to go there. I oh, thought, we're going all over. All right. Anyway, right. so typically go. in our life after segment, we'll talk about games to go to next after you you've conquered or or dominated Uno. What I think people like about it is there's a, a little bit of unpredictability in a sense of I can cause my neighbor pain. I can. Oh, I skipped a turn. Oh, I reversed it. It's back to me, and I'm dropping another card. No, you have to pick up four. I know you only have two cards left, but yeah. now you have six. So the the meanness and the take thatness that children are able to push onto adults, yeah. I think, has helped to make this game timeless. Now, yeah. the the words that just came out of my mouth may not have been the kindest things, but I, those are some of my thoughts about Uno. Yeah, Kid, kids love to beat up on adults with Uno. I can yeah. remember just. Taking out Grandma Romaine and 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 my, I mean my kids when they get Uno out they're gonna want to try to battle everybody and it's a lot of fun to battle an adult that's sitting next to them. Okay, so if that's the things that you like or that you think really stand out, what are now are those those replacement games? Well, I the, the, on the flip side, that can also get a little old and tedious, and can lead to arguments and fights on the yeah. wrong yes, wrong it, day. It is so. not. This is not a game. Well, I, I can't say that I have played it more than uh, once in a sitting. So it's not like a a game that you can't play multiple times in one sitting. But you are correct that if you play an extended amount of games in one sitting, you have a better chance of creating a, a meta dynamic yeah. that will cause hurt feelings. Not be positive. It, it can go too long. So goods, bads. Yeah. Now, what if if you like Uno or if you like parts of it and you're looking for something else, what are the games that you think? Well, I think you there's one know obvious. where I'm going to go, so yeah. let's hear from you first, Doug. I'm going to boomerang and send it right back well, to you. Well, I think you. we can both talk about Llama, right? Llama. We both have it in yep. that list, which is a, a game published by uh, Dr. Reiner Knizia, which... And Amigo here in the North America yeah, publishes it. which we talked about on our... At, at length. Uh, we had a game schooling segment for that, right? For yep, card games. Um, but it's a it's a very similar mechanism, except the numbers go from one to six. You are trying to lay them down in order and get rid of your cards. Yeah. The kind of unique things are that you can pass and drop out of a, lo- uh, uh, a round to kind of minimize the damage that you would take if the round ended. And if you win a round, you get to... Give back a chip. Give back your point chips, and and you do not want to have point chips. So it's a great, you know, it has the same kind of color 
type of thing where it's each number is a different color and builds that that number and color recognition for younger players. And the other unique thing about Llama, you can choose to go out and people won't necessarily know what you're holding because if I have three ones in my hand, it just counts as one point. I just played this game at Game Club on Monday with people for the first time, and it was a group of sixth grade boys, and you could see their eyes light up when they figured that out. Like, oh, people, hey, there's a kiddo sitting to my right, and you could just see him light up because he had four twos in his hand, and he went out pretty early, and the table thought he had a ton of points. They're like, ah! So Llama, to me, is the next progression up from Uno. You can still learn colors and numbers and, and turns – order and sequencing and those things, but there's a few other elements of strategy that are put in there. Well, I think the Um, big thing is this eliminates some of the feistiness of Uno. Let's take that. So if you don't like those uh, draw four cards, skip a turn cards, reverse cards, you don't like that type of uh, playing and that uh, um, competition and combativeness, Llama is a great alternative to that, yeah. of, of doing a lot of the same stuff without that element. Llama was released in 2019, and it's already been re-implemented three times by the good doctor. <laughs> so he's already made llama four, dice, four games llama dice and don't um, Don't Llama Dice, Llama Party Edition, and then a game called Chicken that was released in 2020, probably in Korea or Japan, based on my just quick cursory glance of the game. But All right. Do you have any other recommendations? This was the big one that I yeah. brought in. How about you? I've got one other one, and I think it fits on where um, where Llama takes away some of that, that cat fighting, cattiness type of thing. Um, this game has that element to it, but is a little bit more complex. And that game is called Linko, which is a, a game designed by... Um, Michael Kiesling and Wolfgang Kramer. I actually didn't even realize that until I looked it up. Yeah. Um, but in Linko, you've got a hand of, I, I think you start with 13 cards in your hand, and you're trying to make uh, sets of, of the same number. And so if Michael on his turn puts down three twos, if on my next turn I play three cards down of the same number, but it's a higher number, Michael, I need. I then decide what happens to Michael's cards. They're gone. I can either take them into my hand, which then means I could make a bigger. Maybe I've got two twos in my hands, so next time I could I could throw out five twos, or I can throw them away, or I can say, Michael, you decide what you want to do with them. You either throw them away or pick them back up in your hand. When the deck of cards runs out, you score negative points for the cards that are in your hand and positive points for the ones that are on the table. Sure. Um, so it has that element of how can I get rid of all my cards is the best thing. That that element of of Uno, with and also being a card game with some of that. Oh, you think you're pretty hot shot by putting down those four fives? Well, I've got five sixes. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So or I've got five fours. Whatever. And so it it adds that level of. Um, kind of combativeness. It's a ranked family for the board game geek family game as 270. Can you spell that one? It's L I N K O yeah, uh, with right. an, with an exclamation at the end. Published in 2014. Uh the publisher is Ravensburger. I'm I don't even know what the availability is on this. Uh, it looks like it's fairly affordable. Yeah. That, um, that game's around. So, uh it's a great uh great little game. It was 
Uh, sorry, I was just looking at some of the awards here to see if it had. It was an Origins Award for Best Card Game nominee and uh, a Golden Geek for Best Card Game nominee in 2014. Cool. Um, so that's another one that you might want to check out if you're looking for something that is is that same card-shedding mechanism yeah. um, with uh, some of that bite to it and that's a little bit more strategy than, than Uno just trying to play out your hand. Yeah. So I have two other games. They're very different. One is Skippo, which would almost be a life before Uno. This game was published in 1967, and it's had all sorts of publishers, Mattel and Amigo. But in Skippo, you're just trying to build the longest run possible, and there's a, a card, a Skippo card, that you can play to interrupt somebody else's run. Now, this game is not thought well of among the board game community. <laughs> It has a 5.6 rating on Board Game Geek. <laughs> this is kind of a, it a is, slide over, it right? Is, Not it a... is ranked, yeah, 22,871. But what I will say, we started this segment off by talking about kids who enjoy Uno. This is a game that I'm probably only talking about because I love playing it with my grandma. This is a yeah. game I played a ton of growing up. So Skippo is another um, card game that is very approachable for kiddos and you can play. Now, on the other end of the scale, more towards a, g- a game that's gotten some of the hotness, but a Twilight game, Imperium 5th Edition. Not quite. <laughs> is a game my wife and I have played, and she destroys me in it, and it's called Scout. And in Scout, you get cards that are dealt to you. And um, Scout came out in 2019, two to five players. Uh, and it is available now. It wasn't for a long time, but you get cards that are dealt to you. And in one move, you can choose to completely turn your hand upside down and play the cards that are on the other side. And in Scout, it, it it's a game where you're playing cards down and trying to get, um, you're playing into the trick and you're basically trying to get your hand um, to be more superior than your opponent's hand and then you take it and score points. That's a terrible description of it. Um, I'll work on that for next time, but but it, it's it's a ton of fun. Uh, Fifteen minute game, very 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 easy uh, game to sit down and play. Oink Games is the publisher, and it's one that got a lot of attention about a year ago. We've had it in our house for about six months, and it's one that I hope to play more with my kiddos. But I've just played a handful of times with my wife. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think this uh, Uno does share. Some commonalities with trick-taking games mm-hmm. in general. Um, trick-taking games can be kind of difficult to teach, um, and there seems to be kind of an inherent culture of when you learn it um, and you know it, then you're fine, but yeah. it can sometimes be really complicated for people to understand. But uh, So I don't necessarily know that it's uh, the best one-to-one comparison, but there is that element of, Playing all your cards but, but out. But Scout's not really a, a trick taker. It's on your turn. You you have one of two actions. You can play or you can scout. So you can play a card out of your hand and play it down into the set. Or you can take a card back. So it's that same little Uno mechanism of I'm playing a card and then somebody else is going to play a card. But instead, you have that added decision. Um, and... and yeah. But you would agree that a, a trick-taking game has some of the elements of Uno. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's my only that point. Sc- Scout isn't necessarily a trick-taking game. It's that, that there's that back-and-forth 
um, tension and, and with the, the numbers and the sequences um, that's in Scout that I think is kind of that upper level uh, beyond Uno. So. Yeah. Well, all right. So hopefully that gives you some examples of, of maybe other games to try out. And like we both said, I think Uno is one of those rare games, uh, mass market games that we kind of all grew up with that still works to some level. And uh, and if you want to, you know, kind of have a life after Uno, take, uh, take uh, some of the games that we talked about and give them a try. Uh, without further ado, let's move on to the high five. If you're anything like us, you're constantly on the hunt for new games to try out. And this week, Michael and I are going to share our high five games from 2013, 2013, 10 years ago. Um, any initial thoughts? There was a couple of games that I didn't put on my list just because I feel like I've talked about them recently. Um, but other than that, what are your thoughts on, on the year and some of the games that you looked through? There's a lot that I still want to play. I was surprised by how many of the games I actually have played. Um, solid year games. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Is ten years ago a ton of really good titles uh, so, there. So this would be like the the peak of my new gamer enthusiasm ah. of, of around that time. However, in hindsight, looking back, I don't think it's a really strong year. Okay. Um, I feel like the ones that are on the top of the list, I'm just like, eh, okay. Um, where uh, what, on the top of which list? of, of like list? the no the board game yeah, geek rank like the the way that the 2013 games are ranked. Um, uh, sorry, I'm trying to do an advanced search while talking. No, I was looking at that today, and the ones that are you know continue to stay up in the top two to three hundred. There's a number of them that I haven't played yet. Uh, Concordia is a game that's on my want to play list. Some of the the heavier um, games that we just haven't gotten to the table yet. So, yeah, it was a it was one of those where I thought I was surprised by the um, lack of games in the top 100. Like, I think that's kind of a good indicator of mm. how strong of a year is when you have games that are kind of standing the test of time. And there are I could two. push back on that a little there, bit. There are two games yeah. in the top 100 from 2013. How many They're, are in there from 21, 2022, and 2023? You know what I mean? So some well, of probably that is there, the there newer is a hotness, but at the, at the same time, I think that I still think that's a pretty strong indicator that there are only five games in the top 200. Doug, are you sure you want year? to stand on that? Because I'm going to do an advanced search now for 2023 I, and we'll see how many are already. Already in the yes, please do that in the top one hundred of all time. You have really good internet. That was quick. Uh, okay, none, none. Yeah, twenty. <laughs> and there shouldn't there shouldn't no. be so. But no, like right. for for example, I've got twenty eighteen pulled up, and there Very are one, year. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten in the top one hundred. Um, so do we want to talk about how bad a year 2013 was, or do we want to give five? Well, no, I'm not talking about how, I'm just, I was surprised yeah. that it was, in in hindsight, I'm like, this is not a, a great board gaming year for how those games held up in the, the zeitgeist of the board game community. Yeah. And I'll still stand I, I, by I, that. I see that, but man, there are some games on there that I love to play. And so... If you have a hundred or a couple hundred games in your collection, 
and yeah, you know, uh, a, half dozen, so, every, a half dozen of those come from one year. Every year has good games in it. That's Thank not you. That's, that's not what I was waiting for. Well, that's not my point. My point is, is that some years have way more than others, and this one is a down year. That doesn't mean that there's not good games. No, I know. I, I'll move on, but you and I see that differently, and I'll I won't be as snarky with you in the future because I know that you do track that from year to year and what this looks like and that looks like. So okay. All right, what do you got number 5? Number 5 for me was actually a gift from a listener and that is Welcome to the Dungeon. Mm. Welcome to the Dungeon. Uh it's 2 to 4 players. It's it's done, set up, put away in 30 minutes or less. I probably should have hit my list last week, but I, that would have been pushing it ages 10 plus. But in Welcome to the Dungeon, you are crawling through a dungeon by using cards. And you're, there's also some uh, press your luck elements in there as you try to maneuver through, and um, the the art is fantastic. That some of the the little battles uh, that are going on is cool. It's a, a cool little game uh, for me. Number five, welcome to the dungeon. Yeah, that was on my honorable mention. Uh, I wondered if it would make your list or not. Yep. Uh, so my my four and five are strongly influenced by my kids and the ability to play them uh, as an adult with them and kind of have a good time and not dumb down and, yeah, awesome. and, and play along. Number five is Ghost Fighting Treasure Hunters, uh-huh. which was a, a 2014 Kinderspiel de Jars winner, uh, published in 2013, and it's actually published by Mattel, if you can believe it. Um, I was surprised to... They did not sponsor this episode. <laughs> to, I was surprised to see that. And I was like, really, Mattel? I actually looked up other versions because I couldn't believe... You thought it was a mistake? Well, I thought, okay, maybe Mattel came out with a version, but not that they were the <laughs> the initial publishers of it. But they were. And the designer is Brian Yu. Uh, Ghost Fighting Treasure Hunters is a cooperative board game in which you are uh, kids going into a mansion trying to rescue the uh, five or six gems out of the house. Uh, but in order to do that, you need to roll and move and fight ghosts. And it kind of has a little bit of a pandemic feel where ghosts keep, and they're, they're cute little rubber ghosts that yeah. keep getting added to rooms. And eventually, if there are too many ghosts in there, it turns into this like abomination that you cannot pass through that room. So let me ask you a question about this game, because I've looked at it a few times, but I've decided, well, we have zombie kids, so why would we need this game in addition to that? Am I wrong on that, or am I seeing that? I would say, well, I would say the kind of the pull is zombie kids is fast and has that legacy element. This is more of the kind of in-depth... The main event, we're going to play this tonight. 40-minute, 60-minute... cooperative game that works with younger children like where my kids are excited and the the little miniature people that you have have little backpacks that the gem tokens go into yeah and so they just love going in and it's like oh, i'm putting it into my backpack yeah, and that's that guy's cool. going out so it's more of a main event with a little bit more crunchiness to the game as opposed to something like zombie uh kids which in some ways can almost feel abstractish yeah um, oh, absolutely. So this one's got a lot of, of theme in it. So that's my number five, Ghost Fighting Treasure Hunters. Cool. And I'm just going to loop back. I left out the designer's name on my last one. So Welcome to the Dungeon is uh, Hisanori Hiroka and Masato 
Usugi. Maybe I should have left their names out. I apologize. <laughs> Nailed but it. I, I want if that's and there's a sequel to it too. Just a fun little game. Dice Tower seal of approval on, on those games. So um, I won't say any more about that. Number four for me is a game that is in Doug's collection that was recently on Kickstarter. That I was like, oh, do I go and get this one or not? And that's Blueprints. Mm. Um, Blue- I, no, it was not on Kickstarter. I, I thought I thought I saw. I think, I think you've said that before. I don't think it is. I thought I saw a reprint on it. Maybe not. Um, but anyway, blueprint. Then I've just had it on my trade list forever, and I'm trying to imagine <laughs> it. Uh, will it into uh, existence? Yes, will it into existence? But in blueprints, you have dice, and you are chucking dice. Believe it or not, like we haven't talked about that yet tonight. And you're setting your dice out on a little pattern on cards, and then but the the pips matter, right? So if I put um your top dice is considered your roof and um and you're trying to build the buildings that are on your cards and to complete well, little blueprints well there, yeah there's a there's kind of a, a three-dimensional set of, of plans that you're trying to build to configure the dice in that order but there are different colored dice that represent different materials so the orange dice are wood the Clear dice is glass. There's I black. games. I was thinking <laughs> Blueprints of Mad King Ludwig, which was oh. a, a different game. So a completely uh, different game. Apologies, listeners. But you have not played Mad King, King Ludwig, have no, you? No, it's not out yet. Yeah. That, that's, that's a whole different game. No, okay. no, no. I'm talking uh, about Blueprints yes. published in okay. 2013, Z-Man, yep. Yev's Tourney or something like that. Yep. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, so that is still available. It is imprint by Z-Man. So, yeah, you yeah. get a card with a blueprint, which is a way to configure the dice. There are the different materials. Green dice are recycled material. Black is stone. Orange is wood. And uh, clear, transparent is glass. Yeah. And they each score differently based on uh, some of them score by being connected to other dice of the same color. Uh, the higher you can get the stone, in your building, the more valuable those points are, and you're kind of scoring dice differently based on the the face that's showing and how they're connected to other dice. And as our listeners can tell, Doug has played this game a lot more than me. <laughs> I still love this game. I just took a peek. Noble Knight has one for 15 bucks right now. Might have to jump on that before we publish tomorrow and it leaves. Uh, but great little game. A lot of game in that little box, I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And that That's... was also on my honorable mentions. Ooh, all right. Um, Must have been a good year for games. What do you have in the fourth <laughs> spot, Doug? Um, the My number four is Tales and Games, The Three Little Pigs. This was published in 2014, uh, uh, 2013. It was a 2014 Origins Award for Best Children's Family or Party Game winner. Published by uh, Yellow and the designer is Lauren Pouchain. Uh, Three Little Pigs is a uh, Yahtzee-type style game in which you are rolling dice to try and build little houses. And the houses consist of three levels represented by cardboard tiles. And you're building up your house. Well, actually, they don't even have to consist of three levels. You can keep building them as high as you want. But they won't score points until you put a roof on it. And there is also wolf dice that if you roll them, there is a spinner that you uh, are supposed to blow that goes around and then will take out your opponent's building parts of either wood, straw, or or stone. And so you're trying to build these buildings. 
And when one of the stacks runs out, I think the game ends and you get points for your completed buildings. And then some buildings have uh, sections have flowers on them and those score extra points. And uh, it comes in a, a the package looks like a, looks like a book, book, right? Yeah. That's magnetized. And it also includes like the Three Little Pigs story book in there. And it's just a, a good little setup. And my family has really enjoyed that. Um, from the Tales and Games series. So Tales and Games, The Three Little Pigs, is my number four. Awesome. My number three is Viticulture. This is designed by Jamie Stagmeyer and Alan Stone. Art is Jackie Davis, David Montgomery, and Beth Sobel, and it's published by Stonemeyer Games. Viticulture, you're trying to make wine, but it's a worker placement game. And it, it does take at least an hour and a half for most humans to play. Um, ages is 13 plus 12 plus, I would say it's more towards that 15, 16 plus. I think there are other worker placement games that are more accessible, like Lords of Waterdeep and a few others where you could get kiddos to the table. Uh, doesn't quite have that action that necessarily draws young teenagers to the table of we're making wine, wine making. Yeah. But this is a fun game. And I, I'm a teetotaler, so I I don't do a whole lot of boozy games. Like they don't, the theme doesn't really connect with me like it would with some other Wisconsinites. Um, But I, I'm only speaking for me, Doug. This is my list. (laughs) I enjoy my play of viticulture. Uh, Not currently in my collection, but one I will always gladly sit down and play. All right. Uh, my number three is Bang the Dice Game. You like how I just moved on there? Um, I just <laughs> I, th- I enjoy other worker placements better. Uh, Bang the Dice Game uh, by DV Games, Michael Palm, and Lucas Zach. This is a um, great uh, re-implementation of the, the game Bang, and I feel like it's faster it's easier to get to the table. I can't get. I like regular bang. I used to play it on the the app all the time, but I could never get it to the table with the amount of players that you need to play that. I can get bang the dice game to the table, um, and so it is over quicker. I've had some uh, bang games that go on forever, Hours, days, just multiple days. They'll just, cross over into the next day and just completely ruin the game for anybody that's playing it. I've not Especially had that Especially if experience. you're an outlaw and you're taken out. So in Bang, there's sheriffs, outlaws, and renegades. Yeah, and, the, and the Bang the Dice and the game deputy. takes. And the deputy, yeah, if you have enough players. The Bang the Dice game takes what can be an hour and two, a two-hour game and drills it down into 15 minutes. Yeah, so you've got a, um, a sheriff that's trying to get rid of the outlaws and the renegade. The deputy may be helping him. If you have that, the outlaws are just trying to get rid of the the sheriff sheriff. and the renegade is trying to be the last one. He needs to get rid of the outlaws and then finish off the sheriff in that order. Yep. uh, Which makes him, uh, makes that character appear very much like a deputy. They, they function very much the, the, the same way. So it's sometimes hard to figure out who's the renegade and who's actually trying to help you if you're the sheriff. And in bang the dice game, you're rolling dice to, um, inflict damage on your opponents, you're getting beer steins to increase your health, um, and then there's different attacks and, and things like that that happen. And the card game, like I said, it's it's so weird to me that there's a, a game that, when it works well, works really well, 
But when you can have an experience like that that just stretches on yeah. and it like completely ruins the game, it's it's almost foreign these days to have a, a game like that. So that's why I like Bang the Dice game because I think it gets rid of that that element. So that's my number three, Bang the Dice game. That did not make my list. <laughs> he said, glossing over. Moving on. Is that your viticulture? No, I... I, I I, Your wife likes this more than you. Yeah, yeah, she she loves it. I I like the 2002, the original Bang version, and I think that just has to do with from 2002 till about 2005, we played a ton of it. Yeah, is that almost uh, a sentimental? It, it's a hundred percent sentimental. Yeah. So don't no logic or reason or ration there, and we have all versions. <laughs> we own. I shouldn't say that. Somebody will call me on it. But we have the the bullet. We have the original version. We have Bang the Dice Game. And I'll, I'll gladly play Bang the Dice Game. It just didn't make my high five because of the two games that I have left. Uh, number two is Sushi Go, yep. currently ranked 537 overall, 148th. Uh, in in the family, and you know we had Phil Walker Harding on in episode 104, and we continue to come back to his games. This was a, a, our game of the week back in episode 19 for a reason. I, it's just fantastic. You you get cards, you take a card, you pass your hand, and you're trying to make different combinations of sushi in terms of a drafting and passing a family game, weighted game that you can play with kiddos as young as four and five years old, and they will pick up on it. And then when they turn into six, seven, and eight-year-olds, they will truly understand the different parts of the game. It's fast. It's played over three rounds. Just a game I absolutely love. And maybe more than others, but clearly not as much as some because it is a highly regarded game. And it's yeah. one that has stood the test of time over the last 10 years and a game that the designer told us helped to launch his career. So yeah. for all those reasons, it's number number two for me on my games from 2013. Yeah, and that's on my honorable mention. It's one Really? That I, yeah, it's oh, one that wow. I didn't put on because I felt like I've talked we about talked it a about lot. We've talked about so much. Yeah. Did you lately. talk about it last week in games 20 I think, minutes yeah, or less? Yeah, okay, it was yeah. In, in that list. So and, that's yeah. why it's not on my list. It's clearly an amazing game. We recommended it. So, But if somebody walked into our home and they saw the dented box of Las Vegas and the dented tin of Sushi Go, people would know, along with the dented um, Sleeping Queens, people would know those are three games that get played a lot. <laughs> or or you have a, a penchant for sitting on games. <laughs> oh, no, no, they get played a ton. We sit on our games before no. we play them. Uh, my number two is Rise of Augustus. Uh, this was a 2013 Spiel des Jahres nominee uh, from designer Paolo Mori and publisher Huracan. Uh, Rise of Augustus is has often been described as gamer bingo. A couple of weeks ago, Michael, I think you talked about Ecos. Yeah. Um, And that, to me, is where it kind of pushes too far into the the complexity scale. And Rise of Augustus, somebody is drawing tokens from a bag. And when that token is drawn, if you have any cards with that symbol on it, you can put a, a, a Roman guard or a legion on it. And once you fill up that card, you score points and... um get another card and rinse and repeat. And while you're uh, collecting and filling up those little cards, um, you're making sets and, and scoring more points from different things. The game ends, I think, when somebody completes seven or eight cards. Um, it was re-implemented as Via Magica yeah. uh, by Blue Orange Games. Have you played that version? 
No, it yeah. it's it's got a couple of things that they tweaked. So there are some things that I think, oh, that's a good rule change, and then there are other things where I'm like, that really doesn't make sense. So yeah, um, I've I've never felt the need to get it because I've got Rise of Augustus, sure. and um, I I don't know how much love it gets outside of obviously it was a Spiel des Jahres nominee, but. Um, out in the the gaming community as a whole, but I've always enjoyed my plays of it, and it to me it straddles that kind of control and not control, yeah, similar well, to Las I, Vegas. I think you've helped to sell that game. I mean, you <laughs> you sold me on that game. It's it's a it's a good little game. There's some some fun aspects of when the payoffs happen. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Without yeah. without having to have a bunch of of complex rules. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, it, it is one of those that you can get to the table faster. Paulo Mori just seems to, he, he gets a lot of good games out. He yeah. really does seem to be a, a great designer and does it good work. Good. All right. What well, do you got number one? I'm I, guessing we're going to have crossover. Number one nope. was a school of gaming topic in episode 63. Then we don't have crossover, nope. but, but this game is not in my collection because it's in Doug's collection. I do want to, I, I, I want to give it its due. Uh, I'm. It's my favorite game from 2013, and 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 there's a very serious topic here. It's Freedom: The Underground Railroad, designed by Brian Mayer, M A Y E R. I don't know if it's Mayer or Meyer. Published by Academy Games, and this game is fantastic. I'm going to read the the text from Board Game Geek. It says, "Join fellow abolitionists to emancipate slaves and lead them to freedom in Canada." So you are trying to get people out of the southern United States and into Canada, and you're running into all sorts of different problems that emerge along the way uh, in this cooperative. I, I'm usually not a huge cooperative game guy. I like them. You know, I I, I like Horrified and, and, and Pandemic, but there are other games that I'll play before I play a cooperative, but there's something about this game. When we were playing this game, was it two years ago or a year ago? Yeah, a little while ago. A year ago. and a half ago. This game lived in my head for about three weeks straight. Yeah. And and, and like I lost sleep over <laughs> it. The next day, I'm playing through the full scenario, talking to my wife about it. And and, and she was actually intrigued. She wasn't telling – it's not like the, a, a different – because the topic – It's a very gripping and, game. Oh, man. And, and the text, I'm, I'm reading through the cards. I'm learning more about people. It's like a little um, – I'm taking a, a graduate class here while playing the board game. And the game mechanics are really good. Yeah. Uh, so this is my favorite game, and, and if you ever, if it ever needs to move out your house, please <laughs> keep me in mind. Uh, it's been on my four trade list in a while. The interesting thing that I'll say about Freedom the Underground Railroad, I've proposed a few trades for it. People don't want to seem to let it go, so they might yeah. put it on there for trade list. But it's been on my want in trade list for well over a year. Uh, great, great game. Now. It is at least two hours. The weight is about 2.9. You have to have the right people to play it. If you have somebody who just wants to kind of mess around or not take the game seriously, I think it could completely tank the experience. You and I approached it. We were reviewing I don't th- I the don't game. Even, I don't even think it's possible not to approach it with that level. Well, that you and I did? Yes. I think I think the sub- But there's different people out there. And there, the, I, well, there's know, all but, types of people. If, if th- we were at a convention and some stranger walked down just to try to to make a joke out of this game or to make light of it or or to prove that this or that like Well, that's uh, a that's a a, a comment. Yeah. Like somebody can make a comment, but I think anybody that's sitting down to this 
I think the game does such a good job. Yeah, of no, the, you're right. The gravitas of this game and the the gravity of the situation immediately puts players. And unless you are with somebody that was so, um, I culturally I, unaware. But that's what I'm saying. I could see myself getting angry at a stranger if they didn't approach the way you and I did because we took that game on. But I think that would be. I, I think yeah. it would be such a. Um, a Small segment yeah. of of population that also have other other things going on. I think there is a it's a great a game. seriousness that is lent to the game just by what you're doing, the cards, and the way that it's set up, and and it's phenomenal. It's on my honorable mention. So uh, I, I thought you might um, recommend that one or put it on the top uh, near your list. So uh, my number one is Bruges. The 2013 Spiel des Jahres, Kenner Spiel des Jahres nominee. Uh, the Kenner Spiel is the, quote, advanced game in the Spiel des Jahres um, world, <laughs> universe, the <laughs> Spiel des Jahres, Jahres cinematic universe. Uh, Bruges was published by Z-Man, um, but is now has been re-implemented. Good luck finding that one, folks. Yeah, no, it's re-implemented by the game Hamburg by Queen Games. Um, so there is still a version that you can get. Uh, the designer is Stefan Feld. And Bruges is uh, one of the first games that, that I played with that kind of point salad mechanism where everything you do is getting you points and it's just a matter of how you want to get points and when. Uh, this has multi-use cards where you're, you're getting cards in your hand and they can be used for four or five different things. And it just depends on how you want to use them. But they're always doing good things. There's uh, The only kind of punishing thing about this game is there are a couple of kind of, I want to call them like, they might be called plagues, um, where there's like flooding or yeah. rats or something like that, But there's or fires and things like that. But there is plenty of advanced warding to kind of protect against that. It's not a situation where all of a sudden it's a, uh, uh, fires are breaking out and you lose a whole bunch of stuff. If you don't plan properly, you can get You're wrecked. In trouble. But yeah. uh, there, there, there are no surprises. And it's just a really good, it fits in that kind of advanced family game for me that, that nestles right in there when I want something that's a little bit more crunchy without melting my brain. Yeah. And so it, it fits in there perfectly. Um, so that's my number one, Bruges. Um, I've got a couple of honorable mentions that didn't make the list that have not been mentioned. Uh, Quantum, which we just talked about in the our, our High Five Space game, so I didn't put that on there. Uh, there's another game called Coal Baron, which is also mm. by uh, Kramer and Kiesling. Uh, that is a, a cool little game uh, that has this cool uh, dual-layered board that has your little mine cart that goes down. Depending on how far you go down, you know, the better coal you get and you're bringing it up to try and sell it. Uh, and the last one, which is now currently, I don't even know if it's in print anymore, but it's known as Terror in Meeple City. My version that originally came out was called Rampage, which became a lawsuit because it is about yeah. uh, dinosaurs toppling a city almost exactly like the Nintendo game Rampage <laughs> that came out. And it's a, a cool little dexterity game where you're knocking buildings over and trying to gobble up as many meeples as you can. 
and you get points for the different colors of meeple types. I like the the gray ones might be senior citizens. You may have a special ability that gets you more points for eating senior citizens, but it uh, probably dropped off of um, list um, after COVID because there yeah. is some kind of blowing down buildings. It's not something that you want to, want to be playing with strangers. Um, so that is is rampage. And I think after going through this list, I think I want to uh, correct my statement on being a good year. I think there are a lot of my clarification is I think that there are a lot of great games in this year. I think the gaming community does not regard them very highly. Right. I mean, that's, I was letting your point hang in the air for a reason. I agree. I I think there's a lot of really good games in 2013. Uh, I do see some games that I still want to play, um, and and I see some games that I know I will continue to play probably this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I was more. Ta- I'm more taken back that there's not a bunch of superstars in this year. Yeah, there's well, not and- a year where it's like pandemic and uh, you know ten games that are just like superstar hits that made me think like. This is not well, when, when well we, regarded. Yeah, I sorry guess. to interrupt you. When we did 2018, we talked about turning that into a top 25. Yeah. Because there were so many games. It was so difficult to draw the line. Yeah, and I can and, definitely make this into a top 10. I could yeah, have done a top yeah. 10 this year. But I was surprised that there's not as much community love for this year um, and, and superstar hits. Yeah. But there are still obviously a lot of great games in this year. So... That is our high five list. Uh, I want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast and like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at GameSchoolerU for both of those um, social media platforms. Next week, we're going to be talking about birds of a feather. We're going to be talking about enhancing gameplay with accessories and our high five games that should be ranked higher on Board Game Geek. So a great uh, segue from the end of that high five list into next week. Um, so... Uh, without, for, you know, thank you so much for spending the last hour or so with us. We really appreciate it. Now get out there and keep gaming.